So, Adam, we're going to talk about extramarital affairs today, a difficult subject and something that certainly brings up a lot of pain for couples, but we want to offer some hope and some new ways to think about it. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. So... A tricky subject today on the podcast, affairs, extramarital affairs. This It's tricky for a lot of different reasons. It right? is. People classify affairs in a lot of different ways and how you label affairs, whether because a lot of people, it's not just a sexual affair. It can be an emotional affair. Some people are going to define kissing somebody else as an affair. Um, somebody might even just describe not telling their partner about a relationship that's forming with somebody um, that they're attracted to as an affair. And and so it's it's a wide ranging mm-hmm. um, and it's one of the more devastating things to a relationship, right? And I, I think it's devastating in part because of how much it breaks the trust, the core trust in the relationship. It's a mo- for most people, um, especially people in committed monogamous relationships, they believe that they're, their sexual relationship is like the primary boundary that distinguishes mm-hmm. their relationship from every other relationship that they have um, in life. And so that primary boundary gets violated and gets broken. Um, and so it's very difficult to recover from something like mm-hmm. that, right? It is. But it is recoverable. There are ways that you can begin to move through a healing process um, in an affair. And rebuild trust. And rebuild that trust. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I think that affairs happen for two reasons. One, an affair is a refuge from a relationship problem in the marriage uh, or in the committed partnership, but it also comes from a pain in a person's life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's two forces often or one or the other force mm-hmm. that's happening. You know, the, the classic midlife crises is the person who, you know, maybe there are marital stressors, but they're facing aging, they're facing disappointments in their career. There are many internal issues that they're going through that cause them to act out and have an affair. Yeah, I would call this the push-pull effect, right? If there's relationship problems going on, that can often be pushing them out of the relationship Mm -hmm. where they turn to other things. Um, Or the, the internal that's pulling them towards something that they're wanting, that they feel mm. like is lacking mm-hmm. either in them internally or in the relationship. And so like recognizing that, um, those things, you then begin to just turn to something that you feel like is going to give you what you're lacking in that, right? Either right. that safety in the relationship that you're not experiencing, the excitement, um, the attention, the um, or it's going to satisfy that kind That's of pain. The push. That's the push. That's the push out mm-hmm. of the relationship. Yeah. And the pull toward is what? It It is something that you're missing internally in yourself, mm-hmm. right? Confidence, um, loneliness, uh, meaning in life, right? Mm-hmm. Feeling like there's something that um, you're missing out on. Um, and they're trying to find that in a third party. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And it it's it's difficult because those things those things feel very real, 
to the person that's seeking them out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I'm aware, you know, as we're talking about this in a very methodical therapist-like way, <laughs> we understand that, you know, if you've been betrayed, this is very painful. Oh, yeah. Very, very painful. And so we don't want to minimize the person who was in the relationship that did not step out their pain. But we also want you to think about this from two parts. I mean, this recruitment of a third party actually allows stability Mm -hmm. to happen without real change. Mm -hmm. So the person maybe splits off and says, "Okay, I'm going to get my sex needs met over here. I'm going to keep my family intact And that way I can have what I need. I can feel stable Mm -hmm. uh, without actually growing, developing, changing, or making the marriage better or, you know, confronting the issues between myself and my partner or in myself. Yeah, I think it it provides a sense of um, it's, it's safer. Right, it's mm-hmm. safer than a, than doing the hard work of addressing those things in the relationship or in myself. And I would say temporarily, that, that temporarily, safer. yeah. And I think that oftentimes when when people say the person that has been cheated on says, I, it, I, "I was blindsided by this. I didn't see this coming." A lot of times, I think it's an effect of that because mm-hmm. for a while it makes it makes the marriage uh, or the committed relationship more stable than it was, mm-hmm. right? And so it feels like things are good. And it's hard to see. It's hard to see that, right? As the as a person that's been cheated on, you're feeling blindsided. You're feeling run over. You're feeling like it's, it's extremely personal, like it's a reaction to you um, and to a flaw that you have or something that's wrong with you, which is not true, right? But it's hard to see that um, you didn't really miss something. It just it that introduction of that third person into the relationship made it feel more stable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't last. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't, right. And it's also uh, false, you know, yeah. because the fantasy of who that person is includes, you know, you're always dressed up, you always have time for each other, you're not talking about the bills, mm-hmm. you're not talking about the stressors of your kids. I mean, it, it's a fantasy, and, and there's very little that competes with that, yeah. you know, gilded fantasy. Yeah, and then there's there's lots of research that just might be helpful to mention too about the fact that affair relationships, if a, uh, people that leave their spouse for affair relationships, those relationships rarely last. Like the mm-hmm. longest that they last, the top end is something like three years. Wow, so, I, I didn't know that. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the problem with an affair in terms of the person who's acting out is they're not developing and growing. They're not right. changing. You know, yeah. what, whatever dynamic was not working in the marriage, they haven't fixed that. Right. They haven't confronted it. And so how can they kind of expect that they're going to turn to another person? You know, it's a fantasy to believe that I, I'm just with the wrong person. Yeah. You know, as it turns out, we bring ourselves to every relationship. Yeah, and prob- so we're going to recreate similar problems. Yeah, your problems are going to follow you in yeah. in those cases because you're not actually dealing with anything that's significant either in the relationship or within yourself that's going to change it. So you end up having those same problems in the relationship if you fully lean into the affair relationship, right? Right. Um, and that when to be able to do that, most people, the, I, I am fully convinced that the vast majority of people do not go into their marriage or into their long-term relationship feeling like they are going to have affairs, mm-hmm. right? They're not Absolutely planning not. on having an no. affair, 
right? And so to get into it, you have to begin to demonize the person that you're with to mm-hmm. some extent, mm-hmm. right? It's either at the very minimum, it's a belief like you were saying that they're the wrong person for me, mm-hmm. that I'm just not supposed to be with them, right? And so it, you have to be able to do that to be able to then be with the affair partner. And so then with the affair partner, you begin to to build them up higher than they actually are. Yeah, right? I, I was treating a couple who had an incredibly sustainable marriage. They had been good friends for quite some time and, I, I mean, really had a good relationship. And somehow or another, an affair had entered in. And, you know, I think... What had happened was they went from this good relationship and the partner who was having an affair began to tell themselves, well, this person is not really going to be with me in the way that I really want them to be with me Mm -hmm. sexually. And the reason they denigrated their partner was because in their heart, the affair partner was truly monogamous. Mm. So the only way they could uh, sort of justify what was happening was by saying, but my partner, you know, isn't going to meet my needs, therefore I need a new partner, because they they were violating their own ethic. Their own ethic was one of being with one person. And so, you know, they couldn't do that without suddenly, you know, kind of putting on the sunglasses and seeing all the flaws of their partner Mm -hmm. and also putting on the rose-colored glasses, right, and seeing the all the blessings and the excitement of the new partner. I mean, in order to resolve this cognitive dissonance, you know, we have to do something on the inside. And this is what um, the partner who was having the affair was doing, was just making their partner bad. And, you know, affairs do happen in good marriages. Absolutely. Um, But that cognitive dissonance thing is important because it's very real, right? And it's, it's helpful for the injured partner, the part, the spouse that's been cheated on to understand that that is happening in the mind of their, of the person that cheated, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not, they almost have to, a lot of times in when an affair is happening, the um, partner will go, well, it's, it, they become a different person, mm-hmm. right? They become a person. I don't know who that person is. And that is the resolution of that cognitive dissonance. They're trying to resolve that. And in doing so, you have to almost become somebody that you're not, mm-hmm. right, to be able to have that affair. You have to look at the other person differently, build up the affair partner, and then choose between the – justify these behaviors that for most people are, are behaviors that they say they would never engage in. Right. And, I mean, I think the difficulty is people say it's the line in the sand, which is a very weird metaphor to me. Like, a line in the sand is very shiftable. But anyway, you know, (laughs) the line in the sand is I was going to leave my partner if they cheated. Mm -hmm. And then they have their real partner cheat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they realize, you know, but there's all this good in the the marriage. And, of course, there's huge injury, right? And if they don't get help quickly, they can't resolve that. But... An affair is basically an, a solution that doesn't require the couple to face their inadequacies in their relationship and their sexual problems, the emotional distance or fusion, mm-hmm. you know, as we talked about last week, that result in a lack of eroticism. Yeah. So, Lori, why don't we come back after the break and we okay. want to be sure to tell you how we would deal with it in treatment and, and keeping in mind that it is not um, an easy solution, but there is a solution and a way forward in relationship. And there is hope, we believe. So we want to remind all of you that we are thankful for the way you've shared the podcast. We continue to grow. 
It is our greatest honor when you share with a friend the work that we're doing in trying to help people so that they can make positive changes and strengthen their marriages and their partnerships. And I think the last thing we'd like to say is both of us are doing intensives. So if you would like to work with us, let us know and call our centers. You can find us at foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And if you like what we're doing and want to help support us, we'd love for you to rate and review us on iTunes. So thanks for listening. All right, so we are talking about affairs and how to move forward, believing that there is hope even when an affair happens in a relationship for there to be recovery, with, even without the, the injured partner having to compromise or to lay down their values or to lay down their hurt, right? That doesn't have to happen. The affair partner doesn't have to live in the doghouse forever um, mm-hmm. in the relationship. There's ways to begin to move forward to have what I believe is actually a healthier relationship and a better relationship after an affair. Um, if you're able to put into the work and kind of sustain through the really grueling process of recovering from one. Yeah. Uh, I see couples who the affair does signify essentially a cry for help mm-hmm. of in the marriage. And they go forward after treatment in a stronger, more intimate, more trusting place yeah. than they could have really gotten to without this crisis. And nobody wants to go through that or think, you know, isn't there a better way? There probably is a better way. But we also think that, you know, like sometimes a bone that breaks and is stronger when it heals yeah. after an affair, your marriage can be stronger. Yeah. So so what's the first step for you when you, well, when you well, say, how do we begin to deal with that? Yeah, first we want to deal with the impact of it. The, the right. problem is, is that in the initial stage, it looks like the marriage is going to reorganize around the aftermath of the affair instead of around the original problems that, you know, were kind of the push out of the relationship. We eventually, as a therapist and as a couple, you want to eventually get to the real problems. The difficulty with this is that the betrayed partner says, you are saying it's my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, you are, you are making me responsible for this terrible, hurtful thing that has happened to me. And we're not. We know that it is terrible and hurtful what has happened. You are not responsible for the, you know pin that your partner pulled out of the grenade in the marriage. You are not responsible for that. You are responsible for the marriage in general and the problems that you, the two of you have co-created up until this point. Yeah. And Lori, I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's difficulty for me in that because I believe on some level, the partner that stepped out of the marriage has to take responsibility for their actions. Yes. Right. No, nobody forced them to have an affair. Right. Nobody forced them to to cheat or to step out or to, to not talk about the problems or, to, you know, whatever it was that they did. Nobody forced them to do that. Right. There may be circumstances that were pressuring that felt inevitable to them that they didn't fully understand at the time. But nobody forced them to kiss somebody else. So nobody forced them to have sex with somebody else, um, to share intimate things with somebody else. And so, you know, talk to me about that because I, I just I feel like they have to that one of the first steps that has to happen is that they have to express some remorse. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. If, there, if there's no remorse for the affair, then I don't know how to go forward in it. Right. And they have to stop the affair if the yes. marriage is going to go forward. I mean, you can't. You can't be with somebody who is with somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at least if that's what you want in terms of monogamy and, you know, um, a soul commitment. You can't do yeah. it. So, yes, they have to stop the affair. They have to express remorse. 
And I think for real healing, which doesn't happen right away, but for real healing, that person has to deeply understand the hurt that they have caused. Yes, absolutely. I think it's very painful in the beginning because often the affair partner is entitled. You know, this is how they rationalize part of it is they – you know, they talk about, well, I've been hurt in this marriage, and this was my only path that oh, I saw. Sure. And and that may be true for them. It is their only path that they saw. Yeah. And so – and and they don't want to be labeled as a bad person. You know, the, the person who yeah. is betrayed says, I didn't deserve this. And the person who stepped out says, I'm not, not a bad person. Yeah, and you I think know? maybe that's the place that – maybe that's what you were saying before is that the – that to me, the the person that's been injured, that's been cheated on, has to eventually get to a place where they can separate what happened from the character of the person. Mm-hmm. That they're not a bad person. They've made really bad choices for the relationship. They they made very injurious choices for the relationship. Things that were we don't condone the affair or say the affair was okay. It was extremely hurtful, and we can sit with that while also saying the person that cheated is not a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in and of itself, I think, takes some time. But I think it, it has to come as the person that cheated expresses remorse and that remorse is heard and believed and genuine, followed by their actions of cutting off all contact with the affair partner. Mm-hmm. And then the person that's been cheating on being able to express very specifically how they've been hurt. You know, I think a lot. I hear a lot of people come in and somebody's cheated on them. And they say, "Well, they should know how I feel. They should know how hurtful this is." Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, mm-hmm. like obviously they should. They should see that an affair is hurtful. But everybody gets hurt by it in in different ways, mm-hmm. in specific ways, right? And so being able to express that hurt and for that hurt to be heard and validated, I think, is very important. Mm-hmm. And I think pursuers and distancers have affairs for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know. Often a pursuer will have an affair as a way to get attention for their partner. Mm. You know, like I am starving and this other person has met my need either sexually or emotionally, you know, and now it has become sexual. And But it's oftentimes rooted in a point in time in the marriage where the pursuer has given up, you know, on the marriage. I've tried. I've tried to get through to you. I've screamed and hollered. I haven't been able to. And now they're in a distancing phase. And that's oftentimes when they will have the affair. You know, you would think that withdrawers wouldn't have affairs because they don't have that much pull to do it. But ironically, I I see lots and lots of withdrawers having affairs because I I think it's conflict is scary. Mm -hmm. Intimacy is very difficult for them. And so... So they they hide from that conflict in the primary relationship, but that reduces sexual feelings and eroticisms between them and their partner. And so they split that off into the affair partner. I'm going to have sex over here because I I can't risk the intimacy and that comes that that real sexuality and partnership demands of me. Yeah, it's too much. You know, it's too much. It's too intense. And so I split these two things apart. Um, you know, you would think that withdrawers wouldn't do that, but they do oftentimes have affairs. So. Yeah. Well, it's just a move outside of the relationship, right? So it's a, it's the it's with, an absolute for, for withdrawers. <laughs> step it's away. A, yeah, for withdrawers, it's it's the ultimate withdraw mm-hmm. from the relationship. For pursuers, it's the ultimate pursue. 
Mm-hmm. Right, because you're you're looking at you're uh, finally caught. Yeah, absolutely. You know, somebody catches you. You chase, yeah. and they catch you, and that's so exciting. Well, and, and the hope of hope of pursuers is that the distancing partner is going to see their affair and go, "Oh my gosh, I I neglected you. I should come towards you and move towards right. you." In that, you are valuable. Yeah, right, because the pursuer often feels like they're not valuable to their partner, and so they're trying to get some of that with their outside partner. Yeah. But I think yeah. after – I think you, the withdrawer is trying to avoid. Yeah, but you're dealing with that impact. You're dealing with uh, – in that first step, you're dealing with the hurt. You're dealing with the remorse. But then moving on to try to – you call it a finding meaning, mm-hmm. right? I call it dealing with the decline of the mar- – whatever was the decline in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Identifying that push-pull of what was happening before that both people are then responsible for, right? right. There's, e- there's, there's hurt on both sides <laughs> – on the things that happened before the affair. Yeah, and as we're learning sort of EFT, the language is, you know, they're identifying their toxic cycle. Right. Right. How did they push and pull with each other? How did the pursuer chase, perhaps criticize, and that pushed the withdrawing partner away? Mm. You know, the pursuer wasn't in some ways soft enough or safe enough for the withdrawer to really talk about what was going on inside them, or how did the withdrawing partner, you know, make... They're pursuing partners so frantic by their withdrawal that they, you know, couldn't couldn't get it together, and that this pattern is repeated over and over in many aspects of their life. Certainly, sexually, you know, yeah. I mean, it, people don't necessarily have affairs simply over sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a sexual component, but often the toxic cycle, and then healing that in the the secondary phase of. Recovery is really important yeah. to understand what was going on at the time. Where does the affair fit into that cycle? Yeah, you know, and can they begin to see that this is this pattern may not work for them? Yeah. Um, this it doesn't often, work for them. Yeah, this is often that that part is often the hardest for the person that's been cheated on. Right, the first phase of treatment for um, somebody in an affair, it's it's the partner that's been that's done the cheating. It's hardest for them during that first phase, mm-hmm. and it's harder um, for the partner that's that's been injured because talking about the cycle that happened before the affair often feels like condoning the affair, mm-hmm. and it can feel like to or them, blaming them or blaming them for the affair, mm-hmm. right? And and so and both things are not true, right? You're not you're not blaming them or condoning the affair, but you're saying this is what was happening, right? This was what was going on in your relationship. Your relationship was not the best before this, mm-hmm. right? I think a lot of times you look back when something like an affair happens and you romanticize or you look back through rose-colored glasses on history and you rewrite history a bit and go, our relationship was great. Our relationship was fine. Why would they ever do this? You know, um, Sometimes you can recognize the difficulty of it, um, but oftentimes you look back and go, the affair should never it doesn't fit in that cycle, which is not entirely true. And so you have to understand what was happening and finding that meaning, understanding that cycle so that you be- can begin to move forward and break that. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And and in that recovery, we want the couple to basically find safety with each other so that vulnerability becomes possible again, mm-hmm. sexual vulnerability, but also emotional vulnerability. Yeah. You know, the person who stepped out has to see, you know, how painful it was to their partner. And the partner has to see the binds and the difficulties that their partner who betrayed them was feeling, which is really it's hard, hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. such hard work. Yeah. You know, I, I know that one growth 
pattern for a man that I was seeing who'd had an affair. I, you know, he said, well, my wife just isn't very creative sexually. And I said, do you share with her your sexual fantasies? And he's yeah. like, nope. Hmm. You know, I already knew that their sex life was pretty boring. You know, the married couple's sex life was pretty boring. But, you know, his complaint was also without his uh, vulnerability and sharing what he wanted and what he thought about and all that kind of stuff. And so he just split that off, had the affair. Yeah. So we believe that that it is possible. We've kind of given you the start. I mean, obviously, this work needs an outside party. You need a therapist to help work you through this. I think you um, do. Preferably one that deals with affairs a lot. I mean, I think most couples therapists do, um, but finding one who kind of has a good framework for how to kind of help you move through it. And, you know, in doing that work, it's difficult, it's hard, but there is hope for rebuilding your relationship. It takes a lot of time. I wish that this is not a quick process. Affair recovery is not, it's slow. And oftentimes it feels like you're going backward. Part of the moving forward um, is really dealing with the flare-ups that come from what I, I classify it as grief. Like it's you're grieving what the relationship that you had and you're really building a new one. So a lot of times those emotions flare up, right? Especially for the injured mm-hmm. partner, like it comes up um, randomly through very strange things, um, things right, that seemingly may not be con- – Yeah, they get triggered. A and politician th- in your city has an affair or, uh, yeah. you know, there's an affair on the movie that you go to see together. Or you somehow <laughs> – find yourself listening to the country station on um, Pandora and <laughs> right. every, every song's about an affair. Right, exactly. You know, so... It's easy ha- to get triggered. But you have to kind of be learn how to deal with those triggers in your relationship and move forward. So really just encourage you, if this is something that's happened in your relationship, um, don't ignore it. Please don't yeah, ignore don't it. Don't sweep it under don't the rug. Don't sweep it under the rug. It's a big deal. Um, and, and don't believe that your only choice is bitterness, that absolutely. you just have to swallow that this is what happened. Yes. You know, I, we believe in forgiveness, that um, there is a way, and it doesn't mean that you forget or that you look the other way. It's a way that you truly work through. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. You can now call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.